0: If if you're a part of VFC, whether you're an actual partner or just an attendee or whatever, I really encourage you to get the message from last week. Um, I actually cast the vision for the next three years here at the church. We're going to be doing some moving and some shaking around here. Uh, And part of that is that we're actually out of room at this church. Um, this is our second service, and you can see it's pretty much full. Our first service is quickly becoming more and more full. Um, even beyond that, our children' um, children's church uh, is jam-packed, which is wonderful, um, but uh, we need to begin to make more room for the kids as well. And so uh, I detail this in the sermon uh, last week. Uh, last week, and so again, it's available the CDs in the foyer. It's online at our website vfcthomasville.org. It's also if you do podcasts, whatever your podcasting platform is, we should be there, um, and so you can listen uh, and see, you know, what the Lord's doing. But but basically, we feel the call of God to begin to move forward and plan and make room for more people. We recognize what He's doing, and we're excited about it. So we want to partner with it. Um, we're actually. Uh, we're actually, we've been focusing on the verse, um, if you guys can give me control back there please, uh, we're focusing on the verse, almost there, <laughs> click, 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 that's alright, then just go to the next slide for me, that's cool, um, well, hey, um, we've been focusing on this verse, it's Acts seventeen six. it says, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. This is when the Christians uh, went to Thessalonica and and the religious people were like, oh no, you know, what's happening? You know, these people, when they show up in a city, you know, all the false gods, they're all rooted out. And, and these people, whenever, you know, they show up in a city, they totally just turn it upside down. And, and we feel like that's the call of God for us as well. Um, and so we, we believe we're called to make a major impact on this community. Um, so we've actually asked uh, for a, a couple of things um, moving forward is we need to begin to raise funds to see uh, God's dream for this church become a reality. Uh, and so we have a couple of different tiers. Thank you. Um, and these are the tiers. This, that's the get it started, 500,000 is the get it started tier. Um, that's our debt load. If we can retire our debt, then we can be free to begin to move forward. And then that's the, the amount that it would ca- it would cost to build a new sanctuary and repurpose this area for children's ministry. And so we're super excited. We actually have a dream as well. The dream is to build a a, a nice building that's got youth, children's, adult classes, a sanctuary, and then we would repurpose this as a uh, fellowship hall. Um, it's it's really expensive to do that. It could be done in stages, and so we're just really seeking the Lord about this. Um, and so, what we're asking from you guys is, we're asking you on March fifth. You've heard us talk about this is to bring a first fruits offering. Now, your first fruits is your first and your best. What that means? It's all throughout the Bible, and it's the idea of of us saying, "Lord, we recognize what you're doing in our midst. We want to partner with it, and so uh, this is this is the best we have to offer." I know that can be a little daunting uh, when when you ask for something like that, and so what I found though is, if you go to the Lord, he'll he'll provide you a way uh, to to give. What what happened for Tiffany and I uh, is that. I prayed about it, and I heard the Lord very clearly tell me uh, to sell my Jeep. So I'm selling my Jeep, and I'm going to cash out of that vehicle. I'm going to buy something cheaper. It's going to have a good stereo in it, though. I'm just going to let you know. It's really important to me. It can be falling apart, and as long as this music sounds good, I'm good to go, right? But I'm going I'm, I'm uh, you know, to buy something cheaper, and, and our, our goal through the sale of, of, this, of our car is to be able to give $15,000 to the church. Super cool. If you would have asked me, can you give 15 grand in the church, I'd laugh at you. <laughs> no way, dude. Are you kidding me? But we can. And the Holy Spirit gave me, he, he just gave me a way to do it. It's so cool. He'll do the same thing for you. And now I'm like super excited. I've listed it now. And like I'm getting little nibbles from people. And, and I'm excited. I'm like, yeah. Who's gonna? I'm praying over the car that whoever buys it is going to be just like rocked by God as they drive down the road and stuff. And so we're super excited. The next thing I'm asking people of this church to do is to commit to an additional regular amount over the next three years. We've looked at where we've come from three years ago, and we were looking at where we're going three years from now. And so we're asking, and this is the key to making this work. If everyone participates just a little bit, then we'll be able to do this. Um, You know, I, I said this last week. I'm not asking you to do this. I'm asking God to do this through you. And so if you'll be obedient, uh, and you'll, you'll know what the Lord, so Tiffany and I, we tithe, we give 10% of, of our income, our gross income. We're, we're praying over whether or not we might uh, increase that to 12.5%, or we might give an actual amount, you know, above and beyond weekly. So we're still praying through that, still got time. And that's what we really want you to do here. Look, just promise to pray, please. Promise to play. We pray. We've actually, uh, I've called for a fast for this month. While we fast and just really seek the Lord, I'll I'll talk about that in a second. But but so we're we're really excited about what God's going to do. But y'all, it ain't going to happen if we don't get on our faces. This is a Jesus thing. This is not a Jamie thing. All right, we're 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 not interested in bricks and mortar. We're interested in people. That's what this is all about. So we've got to pray. Uh, And then uh, number four, you know, we just got to continue to be who we are. I know many of you guys have have, have come from backgrounds where you went into like a, there's like this church is, oh great, the church is going to have a building program. And so now all the preacher does is talk about giving, right? For like a month straight. And you're like, we get it. You know, we are not going to change the DNA of who we are. We're not going to do it. Not willing to do it. Okay, it's just not going to happen. I love the culture that we've developed here at VFC. It's life giving. People are getting healed and saved and set free, and so we want to continue that. We don't want to stop what got us here to begin with. We want to continue it. So that's that's our that's our plan for impacts. If you uh, if you weren't here last week and you'd like information, I think the ushers might be ready for this. We actually have a booklet that details all of this and an envelope for you. Um, Will you? Are the ushers ready? you guys ready? Will you raise your hand just really quick? Just keep it up until, uh, yeah, if you want to know more, yeah, just find the hands, guys. And um, just keep them up until you get one. This will answer all your questions besides it having some really nice color photos and stuff. It's got a frequently asked questions area. And so that way, you know, if you have any questions as well, you can contact us. Uh, I am determined to not to we are going to move forward and make an impact in this area, but but not at the expense of who we are. Okay, so we're not going to be calling people into the office and say, "Well, we see that you have uh, not given to the like." I don't even know who gives here. Like, I don't even. I check the totals and make sure we're on budget. That's it. Okay, and that's by design. Um, and so we're going we're going to see the move of God happen, and we're just totally excited about it. Um. Now, I have called for a fast. I just really quickly, before I get to the, the actual message, which don't worry, it's, it's not super long today. But um, I do want to talk about fasting real quick, uh, just in case you're wondering, like, what is a fast? How do you fast? A fast is where you give something up so you can give yourself to God. That's what a fast is, okay? And it usually has to do with food. Now, it's not fast food, so you don't drive through Wendy's in Jesus' name, okay? Like, I know I know some of y'all. Uh, he said fast food. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Praise the Lord, Baconator. Um, <clears throat> no, uh, there's different types of fasts. As a matter of fact, depending on who you check with, there can be as many as nine or twelve different biblical fasts. These are like the like the headings. Okay, you can fast all food. Okay? You can fast food. You can just have a, like a liquid diet. And I encourage you, you need to make sure you're in good enough health to do that. Okay, Because that's some serious stuff. Or you could just do it for a day or two and then go back to another fast. Tiffany fasts, does a liquid fast the first two or three days of every month. Um, That's just what she and the Lord have figured out. Um, You can fast some food. So this looks like, um, you know, cutting certain things out of your diet. You know, you've maybe heard of the Daniel fast. So that's where you cut out meat and you cut out pleasant breads. Uh, So that's like, that would look like not eating desserts. Uh, That would look like not eating meat or whatever. So that's that's a kind of fast that you can do. You can also fast a meal. So say you really load up at breakfast, right? I love breakfast. And then uh, you skip lunch. And then you eat at dinner. Or there are actually some, uh, some Jewish fasts that skipped dinner. All right, It was like a sundown to sunup fast. Um, and so that you can actually fast a meal. So you aren't changing what you eat. You're changing how often you eat it. Okay? Um, and then you can also fast a hobby or media. Which you should probably do this anyway. If you've been on Facebook lately, that thing is just gone. Just way downhill. I mean, it's all political ramblings and stuff. And it's just like, wow, what has happened to all my friends? They're nuts. Um, so you can fast media, you can fast a hobby. Again, this past summer, uh, Tiffany uh, fasted running, which is one of her favorite activities through the summer, just uh, letting the Lord work on her through that. So you can fast a hobby, you can fast media, Facebook, uh, phone games, any phone game players out there. I like playing games on my phones, okay, yeah. Um, and so, but you can fast that for a period of time as you seek the Lord, okay? Y'all put your candy crust down, okay? Like not during the sermon. That some of y'all just thought, man, it's my turn at words with friends. No, it's not. It's not your turn. It's Jesus' turn. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, so you can fast that way. Is that, is that, are we good on that? Everyone understand fasting? If you have more questions, uh, just shoot me an email. So this morning we're talking about, I don't know if you saw the sermon uh, title, it's 2 plus 5 equals 12. 2 plus 5 equals 12. It's a little bit of that fuzzy math, right? That kingdom math. Does anyone know what this is referring to? Any guesses? To what? <laughs> Common Core? No. <laughs> That's funny. What'd you say, Brian? Loaves and, the fish. loaves and fishes. Yeah. Two fish plus five loaves equals 12 baskets left over. Okay, So we're actually, this morning, we're going to talk about when Jesus fed the 5,000, which was one of the greatest um, impacting miracles. Now, this is actually incorrectly named, because actually when we, what, what we learn when we look at the text is that the number of, of men was 5,000. Now that's how, just the ladies, don't get offended, okay? That's just how they counted back then. They said, yeah, there are 30 guys there with the understanding there were more people, because the women and the children weren't counted in their culture. Okay? And so, um, so feeding the 5,000, most scholars agree that a bare minimum number here is 15,000 is actually how many were fed through this miracle. Because for every guy, you probably have a female there and at least one kid. And back then, like, they used to have a lot of kids, right? And so that 15,000 is really kind of a bare minimum of what was fed during this miracle. So what we're going to do um, is, is we're going to read. I'm going to read it in Mark. Now, interestingly, uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000 is found in all four Gospels, which is really cool. You know, the different Gospel writers, they, 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 uh, they focused on different aspects of Jesus' ministry. There's some overlap. But in all four Gospels, uh, they all shared about this incident, which is really cool. Um, and uh, just really major impact happened. So I'm going to be in Mark chapter 6. We're going to read 30 through 44. I'm going to be in the New Living Translation, so if you don't have that, uh, you can just kind of listen and follow along. Uh, now, just for context's sake, it's really important that we kind of know when we're reading Scripture where we came from and where we're going, right? So you don't just kind of pick things out of the Bible and, and get lost in that. So um, so what had just happened here is, is two major events. First of all, the apostles had been sent on a missionary journey. Okay, And they had just come back, and they were telling Jesus about all the awesome stuff that had happened. In addition, while that was going on, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, who was baptizing people, making, you know, preparing the way for the Messiah, was actually beheaded. And Jesus had just gotten the news. Not a good day. Not a good day when you find that the government kills your cousin. And so there's all sorts of emotion going on. And so verse 30 of Mark chapter 6, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. And told him all that they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Now imagine they're going they're in a boat crossing a large lake, right? And so the people are, are so wanting to be near Jesus, they take off and run all the way around the lake to get there before he does. That's that's intense, right? We have to like get people to come to church and they're like running to beat him there. So verse 34, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Verse 37, but Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. The New King James actually says uh, 200 denarii. uh, A denarius was one day's wage for basically minimum wage. Okay? So to bring it into our daily context as far as our economy, um, 200 days' wage, eight hours a day at minimum wage, is about $12,000. Okay? So the disciples are like, Jesus is like, you feed them. And they're like, uh, Jesus, it would cost like 12 grand to feed everyone. I mean, again, there's so many people, right? It would would cost an amazing amount to do this. Verse 38, how much bread do you have? He asked, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, John tells us in his account of this story that it was actually a boy that they found the five loaves and two fish from, right? You've heard the little boy that has that. Uh, and so they, they have the five loaves and two fish. Verse 39, Jesus told the disciples to have people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Now, again, just so you kind of have this picture right in your head, John again tells us that Jesus went up kind of on a big hill. It's like a grassy hill. Okay, so he's up talk, so he can kind of talk and, and his voice carries down. Okay, so he, have everyone sit down on the, on the grassy area in groups of 50 or 100. Verse 41, Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. That's 2 plus 5 equals 12. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. This is a really, really impacting... Like This miracle is one of the ones that totally set Jesus's ministry just into the, into the stratosphere as far as like, notoriety and everyone knowing him. I mean, you feed thousands and thousands and thousands of people for free, miraculously... People are going to hear about you, right? They're going to hear about you. And as a matter of fact, uh, in John's account, it says after this, the people tried to make Jesus their king. They were going to force him and say, okay, you're in charge now, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and Jesus actually ran and said, no, I'm not, I'm not here for politics. I'm here for kingdom. And he ran and he said, you're not going to make me king. Um, I, Jesus, you know, I, I need to be Lord of your heart, okay? And so he ran and he went off to pray. And he sends his disciples to the boat, and we'll we'll pick up in, at the end here. But I, I, I want to. This was so impacting. I, I want to talk about some of the things, some of the lessons that we can learn from this as we prepare as a church body to make an impact. What can we learn from this particular miracle? Okay. And so I just kind of want to jump in it here real quick. First of all, people who make an impact are willing to be interrupted. People who make an impact. Are willing to be interrupted, and it actually says uh, verse thirty through thirty four. I already told you. You know, this was not an easy time for Jesus. He just lost his cousin. Um, they just they were tired coming back from their ministry journey, right? And he was trying to decompress and spend some time with his disciples. But what happened is the, the need was so great. The need of the people was so great. They said, okay. And I love it. It, says, um, it actually says in verse 34, Jesus uh, had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now, that's interesting. Now, lots of times we see Jesus have compassion, it says, and he healed them. But in this situation, it says he had compassion on them and he taught them one of the most compassionate things you can do for your friends and family member is share the truth of Jesus Christ with them. It's not compassionate to water down the word. It's not compassionate to try to make them feel good about their sin. Okay, It's it's not going to help them. Now, you can do it in such a way that you're not a jerk about it, right? I mean, it's called the gospel. That word means good news. If you're sharing the gospel with someone, it doesn't sound like good news, then you're doing it wrong. I mean, the gospel starts out with a little bit of bad news. We're all sinners. We all need help. We all need a Savior, right? But then it ends with really good news. If your version of the gospel is you're going to hell, that's not good news. Good news is that Jesus came. You don't have to go to hell because of his sacrifice. We all fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus has given to us his righteousness, his healing. Amen? Amen. So, look. You've got to be willing to be interrupted if you're going to make impact. Now, I'm not talking about personal boundaries. I have personal boundaries. Monday, tomorrow is my day off. And many of you guys know, if you try to contact me on Monday, you're not going to hear anything. I disappear off the face of the earth. If you have a genuine emergency, call the church office and they'll get to me. But if your last name is Nunley and you're not in the church office, I ain't talking to you. All right? Is it because I'm mean? No, it's because I don't have anything to give you on Tuesday until I rest on Monday. So you don't want me on Monday. So that's a personal boundary. And I'm not talking about that, though. What I'm talking about is as a church, you know, sometimes we get comfortable doing what we're doing. And we're like, yay, Jesus, and this is how we do worship, and this is when we meet, and and this is the building we go to. And sometimes we've got to be willing to be interrupted to course correct. And say, well, Lord, we like the course we're on. It's very comfortable for us. And we like the scenery. But we see that its intended end is not where you want us to be. So we've got to change our path. We've got to be willing to be interrupted. We've got to be willing to let the compassion of God over- overrule our desire for comfort and status quo. Amen? So we've got to allow ourselves to be interrupted by the will of the Lord. Here's another lesson we can learn. People who make an impact are more aware of what they do have than what they don't have. They're more aware of what they do have than what they don't have. Verse 35, his disciples say, hey, it's getting late. Uh, Why don't you send the crowds away so they can eat? Yeah, right. The scripture had already said the disciples hadn't eaten either. (laughs) You know, that's where you're like, I just feel the Holy Spirit telling me that uh, we should go eat now, right? I'm sure they really need it. And so Jesus says, you feed them. You feed them. And then immediately, what's their reaction? We don't, what are you talking about? We don't have anything. And Jesus says, we'll find out what you do have first. See, sometimes we're so intimidated by the miracle that we don't do anything. We're so intimidated by the end result we want. I want to be living a righteous life, on fire for God, serving in, in my ministry, giftings. And you look at that and you're like, I'm so far away from that, I don't even know where to start. Well, just start. Because you'll never get there until you do start, right? So you, you, don't be aware of what you don't have. Be aware of what you do have. And so they found they found. The boy with the two fish and the five loaves. I love this. I love, you know, I already told you it was 5,000 men. The women and the children were uncounted. But who was it? It was someone that was uncounted that brought the ingredients for the miracle. You know, don't think that you don't have anything to offer the kingdom. Don't think that you don't have anything to offer the Lord. Well, I'm just this. Well, I'm just this. Don't think about who, who is he? Who is he in you? I love to think about, what about the mom that packed the lunch of the boy? You know, she overpacked. You know, a a boy wouldn't necessarily need two whole fish and five loaves of bread. I love her heart. I love her heart. She, She overpacked on purpose, probably hoping that the boy would be able to share something. And that's why he so immediately came and said, well, I've got this. It's not much, but this is what I have. You know, there's a woman, we don't even know her name. That morning she got up. She knew her kid was going off to find Jesus. And she said, well, I'm going to fix you lunch, but I'm going to give you a little bit extra. She had no idea that that heart of thankfulness, it was just a little bit. It was all that she had, but it was the ingredients for and a miracle that we're talking about thousands of years later. Don't discount what you have. Don't get fixated on what you don't have. Amen. Amen. Here's another point. People who make an impact, prepare for it. People who make an impact, actually plan and prepare for it. If you look at verse 39, it says, Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. I, I love the way that they said green grass. Um, it's like, you know, the scripture is so full of information Um, I love that they said green grass because I think it's just a a symbol of, you know, if you're planted in a healthy place, you're going to get what God wants for you. So he had them sit on the green grass. So they sat down in, in groups of 50 or 100. Now, get this. So Jesus instructed the disciples to organize the people, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people, organize them into small groups of 50 or 100 and, and think about how long that would have taken. 15,000 at least? I mean, think about how long it takes to count out 50 people. How long it takes to count out 100 people. There was a lot of time and thought given to planning before the miracle ever happened. And people who make an impact actually prepare for it. And there's nothing wrong with preparing. We have this idea in a lot of our charismatic cultures that like, well, I'm just following the spirit, brother. No, you're being, you're being a bad steward. You're not planning, you're not preparing, right? I always find it funny whenever I talk with someone who's usually outside of the church and they say, well, brother, I'm just not really into organized religion. And I think, well, me neither. But I'm not really into disorganized religion. The problem with organized religion is not the organization, it's the religion, and, and so, you know, we need to be organized for the move of God. I mean, what if you showed up this morning and we were like, you know, we'll meet Sunday morning, maybe 10, maybe 11. I don't know. Why don't you pray about it? <laughs> that wouldn't make sense. And then you get here and like half of the chairs are turned towards that wall and the other half are like broken and not put together. And, and then what, and you're like, this is so disorganized. And then you get here and the worship team starts, and Blake, the worship leader, wants to do a certain song, and the drummer's like, nah, I feel like the Lord's telling me to do this song. And the bassist is like, well, I'll do that first song, but I'm gonna do it in a different key because I like it in this key. That right, yeah, that yeah, that wouldn't be very good. <laughs> that, that wouldn't sound great, would it? Look, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with organizing. There's nothing wrong with planning and preparing. The problem with organized religion is not the organization, it's the religion. It's trying to approach God through rituals, through rites, through doing the same thing over and over, hoping somehow that an angry God will forgive you. Look, God's not mad at you anymore. All of his wrath was taking out on Jesus on the cross. He loves you, and he has a plan for you now. Amen? Amen. So we need to prepare. Guys, as a church, you know, what is the Lord doing? Well, he's saving people. He's healing people. Okay, we need to prepare for that, right? We need to prepare. What about you? How are you preparing for your ministry? What has the Lord gifted you with? What are your spiritual gifts? What are your strengths? How are you preparing those strengths to serve Him? Well, I guess, I guess God will just pluck me up out of the, uh, you know, out of the congregation and, and, and have me do something when He's ready. No, He's waiting on you. Are you preparing? Are you planning for God to move through you? Here's the last one. People who make an impact understand the intended message in God's miracles. People who make an impact understand the intended message in God's miracles. Now, we haven't read this portion of Scripture yet. Now usually uh, right, Usually, you just hear about the feeding of the 5,000, and then you hear about when Jesus walked on the water and calmed the storm, right? But the two, Scripture doesn't really separate the two, and I'll show you. So as, as soon as we're done, verse 44, we finished. Jesus, Jesus uh, sends the disciples on the, on the boat to go across the lake, and then he goes to pray. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden they're in trouble, they're rowing hard, all this different stuff. Jesus comes walking on the water. They cry out in terror, right? Jesus says, this is verse 50. They're all terrified when they saw him. Jesus spoke and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. And he climbed in the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed. For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Well, I thought that was, a, that, was a, that was another miracle. We already taught the kids that. We had the flannel graph. We, they sang a song about it. And now we're talking about Jesus walking. Look, it's the same thing. Same moment. Just a few hours later. He said the reason, Scripture says, the reason that they didn't get um, what God was trying to do during the storm was because they didn't understand the loaves. And so uh, so people who make an impact are recognizing what God's trying to do through the miracles that he shows. Let me just pull a few out here. This is not an exhaustive list. But look, here's one of the things. People matter, right? I mean, God fed 15,000 at least people. Well, then that tells us what? People matter. God's been saving people and healing people here at this church. Guess what? People matter. People matter. It's important that we adopt that, uh, that, that God perspective on others. You know, so many churches get turned inside and someone, and someone who, who you know, is from outside comes in to the church and, and they're sitting on, on Sister So-and-so's pew and she's giving them the stink eye during the you know, worship. She's like, you're on my pew, bucko. You know? And he's like, well, I didn't know. I just, I'm just trying to connect with Jesus. You know? and, and so many churches, they get ingrown because they've lost sight of the facts of, of the lesson that Jesus was teaching us through the loaves and his people matter. People people are important to God. And and so we can't miss that. Here's another lesson uh, is that you have to do something. I love it when when, uh, it was actually Philip. It doesn't say it in this account, but another account tells us it's Philip that says, we don't have money for this. And then Jesus says, well, what do you have? You feed them, right? You feed them. So many times we're waiting on God to drop a miracle out of heaven. Like I'm just sitting here waiting on the Lord. Well, he's waiting on you. Scripture says faith without works is dead. It means your faith doesn't matter. It's not working. One version says in vain. You might as well not have it. I know that's a strong word. But if you say you believe and you do nothing to prove you believe, do you believe? James might say no. No. So you, you have to do something. You have to at least get the five loaves and two fish that you do have. You might not have enough to feed everyone. See, what God, the way God does supernatural stuff, and this is really important. And this is Whether you need healing in your life, a financial miracle in your life, maybe your marriage is suffering, maybe your, your children are going. Look, this is how God works. God is supernatural. Super meaning above and beyond. Natural meaning you know, what we can do. So many times we're waiting on the supernatural. We haven't even done the natural. And so God, God is waiting on us and saying, Lord, here is my natural. Okay, Here's what I can do. Here's my prayer of agreement. Here's me going up front uh, to, to get prayer after service with the altar ministry team. Here's me doing something, adding a little bit of action to my faith. And that's when the supernatural happens. He adds his super to your natural. Okay? So you have to do something. Here's the last one. God will take care of you. I mean, that's an amazing lesson from this. I mean, think about it. The disciples were hungry. They'd just come back from a missionary journey. They're trying to get some time alone with Jesus to, like, decompress and talk about what happened, right? And, and, and so then all of a sudden it's time to feed thousands and thousands of people. You do it. He's telling you to do it. Okay. Uh, I'll allow myself to be interrupted, Lord. But remember the math: two plus five equals twelve. Two fish, five loaves, twelve baskets. And isn't it interesting that there were twelve disciples? Isn't it interesting that in the end the Lord took care of those that served? He said, "Look, I, I know I know this is inconvenient right now, but you know what? You're going to get a basket." And he was hoping that they would understand that. Instead, they were in the boat and and the wind and the rain. And they were like, oh, God, save us. He's like, look, you do something. I'm going to take care of you. People matter and you're a person. And so we've got to recognize what God is doing when he shows us these miracles. Guys, look. I I like to end sermons with a question, and it's the same question I asked you last week, and it's this, are you ready to make an impact? Are you ready to make an impact? Are you willing to do what's necessary to make an impact? I'm super excited about what God's doing here, y'all. I'm super excited. In all honesty, and I shared this some last week, in all honesty, it's a little bit easier for me if I don't course correct and we just keep on doing what we're doing. Because life is good. I'm happy. But I want to make an impact. I want, we saw the video of Travis and Kathy. I want more Travis and Kathy's. I want more people who are restored. More people who are walking in their giftings. More people who know who they are in Christ. And I want to make an impact. And I'm praying that you do too. Let's, let's stand for prayer.